0: with his own nicotine pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The voice, the
1: voice of NASCAR. The Voice of NASCAR.
2: The Voice of NASCAR. The Voice of NASCAR. The Voice of NASCAR. This is MRN Radio, The Voice of NASCAR.
0: The Motor Racing Network presents an original podcast series. 50 years, The Voice of NASCAR.
2: Earnhardt is using every inch of racetrack, and Elliot gets together with him. Earnhardt goes off in the grass.
3: Certainly his style and his ability on the air, the way he painted a picture.
2: Brings the car back onto the speedway and keeps it in a straight line and
1: holds onto the lead. Juan Pablo Montoya's car has blown apart right with the jet blowers that were working to the high side of the banking. That was so weird because I was taking a little break. I had a little snack and I was drinking some water. All of a sudden
4: I heard this boom. Tony's screaming and hollering and he grabs me by my shoulders with both hands and starts shaking me like I was on fire. That's
2: him screaming. He is a Daytona Beach native. (laughs) yeah!
0: Welcome back to MRN Presents 50 Years, the Voice of NASCAR. I'm Fred Armstrong. In this chapter, we celebrate the life and career of the late, great Barney Hall.
2: To the inside comes Richard Petty. David got a little bit high in the corner. there, door door-to-door out of the fourth turn and moving to you, Ken Squire. Here
0: they go. To me, Barney
3: is what sports broadcasting should be.
2: Pearson squeezes the concrete. They move into the trial. And here goes Richard on the outside. Cuts back to the inside of the trial.
0: For many, the Motor Racing Network is the voice of NASCAR. And for decades, the voice synonymous with MRN was Barney Hall.
2: Here comes Glotzbach. He's moving underneath David Pearson. Whoa, Glotzbach sideways.
0: So sit back and enjoy as MRN talent drivers and dignitaries express their feelings about the man who entertained NASCAR Nation for decades. Barney Hall was born in 1932 in Elkin, North Carolina, a humble town the modest man called home for the majority of his life. Hall began his adulthood by serving four years in the U.S. Navy, following life as a swab Hall launched a radio career that spanned the 1950s, pulling on-air shifts and spinning discs on local radio stations. All the while, Barney's passion for racing grew. As former MRN president David Hyatt describes, Hall was shaping his destiny in the sport
4: right from the get-go. Well, Barney was already doing a lot of PA and other radio broadcasts around the network, and he had a love for the sport. Uh, He was one of Big Bill's confidants because Barney was also a good friend with some others who were in the sport at that time. Junior Johnson kind of brought Barney into the sport. They grew up and lived in virtually the same part of the country, in western North Carolina up in the hills. And Junior uh, got Barney kind of interested in racing. Uh, Barney had been around it a little bit, but Junior really brought him to the table. So Junior and Big Bill and all those folks were the ones who were getting NASCAR off the ground. And Barney had a voice. Barney was already on a radio station, and he was willing to go do the coverage. He would go out from the little radio station he worked at in Elkin, North Carolina, WIFM. And he would go out, travel, and he would do some races and do race coverage, and he would come back, and he would take all the stuff that they sent him, uh, NASCAR and and Daytona and any racetracks PR department, and he'd make content out of it for his radio show. And I think they had great respect for that because they saw that he believed in the sport and that it had a future. Barney's
0: big break came in 1960 as Larry Carrier, Carl Moore, and R.G. Pope broke ground on the old Gray's Dairy Farm to build the new Bristol International Speedway. One year later, as the first green flag flew over Bristol, Barney Hall's dulcet tones echoed from the public address system, and a legend was born, in short order... The new Bristol PA guy was shaking hands with the sports finest, including NASCAR founder Big Bill France.
2: He heard me doing PA, and he came over in, in the booth and uh, introduced himself, which he, he didn't need an introduction, but he said, I'm Big Bill France, and he, sa- he said, boy, I, I like the way you talk. He said, you talk real real good, and I said, well, thank you, sir. He said, have you ever thought about uh, working the Daytona 500 network? I didn't even know they had a Daytona 500 network at that particular time <laughs> because Green wasn't was not the word for me, man. I I didn't know a whole lot about the business. But anyway, he said they're going to uh, have an audition in Daytona on Monday, and they've invited uh, several announcers around the country to come down and audition for a spot that will be open on the Daytona 500. He said, I'd like for you to come down there and do that. Can you do it? And uh, I was almost uh, embarrassed to tell him that I I didn't have the money to come to Daytona and, and miss my regular job. But I finally told him that, and he said, well, just come down there anyway. And he said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a $100 bill. And he said, you come to Daytona and you do the qualifying races the Saturday races and the Sunday races. And he said, if we like what you do, you keep the $100 bill. We'll work out some kind of a deal to do all the races. And I said, well, I appreciate it. Apparently, Big Bill liked what he heard, and uh, he called me a little bit later. Bob Montgomery was their regular driver, uh, announcer at that time. And uh, Big Bill come, said, come down to Daytona, boy, you got a job. So that's sort of how I jumped into it. When Bill Franz Sr. and Roger
0: Baer launched the Motor Racing Network in 1970, Hall was on the crew roster for the first broadcasts from Daytona, stationed along Pitt Road. From WIFM
3: Elkin, North Carolina, on Pitt Road, Barney Hall.
2: Like you Ken. as we look down toward the east end of the speedway, all we can see, of course, is pit crews and tires stacked all the way up to the top of Pitt Wall. They'll get a chance to put all this equipment to work as the race will be getting underway here very shortly. We'll be right here to cover all the action back to you in the tower.
0: From high atop the old press pagoda, Anchorman Ken Squire was one of the first to work with the fledgling broadcaster. He was there
3: from the beginning. Barney was, all, was always there and,
0: and, and
3: deservedly uh, recognized because he was so
0: thorough and he did know the game so well. And a lot of that came out of Pearson and Isaac. As MRN's first general manager, Bear was on the front lines with the talent and struck up an immediate friendship with Barney. And the duo maintained that kinship on the air, on the road, and occasionally overnight. Barney was my roommate. We, we, we roomed together in those days. The budget was a big deal. So we all had roommates, and Barney was my roommate. And so we were together 24 hours a day during all those years, and he just was a great, great friend. And I... But he, he's a very shy man, and
4: not very public at all, and never look for the limelight in fact he hid from the limelight but when that when the light went on his
0: vocabulary his ability to talk about what was going on on the track and what had gotten people to where they are was just an, an incredible talent that Barney had. Hall's humble nature didn't stop him from forming tremendous relationships in the garage, most notably with one of NASCAR's greatest drivers
2: and most dynamic characters, David Pearson. David was a joy to be around. He really was, and uh, we shared a lot of adventures. Uh, both being pilots, we, when uh, he bought a little twin-engine airplane, and we both flew that from one place to another, and uh, scared the heck out of both of us a couple of times, but. Uh, Pearson was very professional in that airplane. He's pretty much like Bobby Allison. I mean, they were all business when you got in that cockpit and took off.
4: But on the ground and whatever, Lord, there's no telling what they'll say or do. But Barney and David were really, really tight. Um, Somehow they hit it off, um, probably back when David was driving for the Wood Brothers for the most part, and they traveled a good bit together. Barney and David were both pilots, and that helped as well. They had a common interest there. So they became running buddies a little bit. Well, also from Spartanburg, South Carolina, where David was, was Bud Moore. And Bud owned a very successful race team. Uh, and Barney became, obviously, good friends with Bud and David. And uh, the three of them often would travel together, fly together. And out of that mix, driving for Bud Moore periodically, was Dick Brooks, So who also came to work for the network uh, at some point. And so they all kind of piled around, ran in a pack together. And really, you know, Barney had a lot of great tales of those days and those people, and some of them that are probably, you know, not good for public consumption at this point. Uh, But all about having a good time going around, running races, and, you know, promoting this great sport. According
0: to NASCAR's vice chairman, Mike Helton. Barney's plain manner and strong driver relationships gave him a tremendous credibility in the garage.
4: That gave him the ability to gain a lot of respect and confidence of the people in the industry to talk to him, not just as a broadcaster, but as a friend and an, an alliance that they knew could pull different groups together and everything. So he had a Much deeper role, I think, in the sport than just the broadcasting side.
0: Barney made it a point to be a student of the sport and to look for the subtle stories. As Kyle Petty describes, there wasn't a single thing the quiet man didn't
4: know. My man Barney Hall was everywhere. You didn't walk through the garage and not see Barney with a tape recorder or just standing around just talking. And if you wanted to know something, that was going on in that garage area. He just went to Barney. Now, I'm not saying that he said it on MRN, but he knew everything that was going on. He knew what Pearson was doing. He knew what Bobby Isaac was doing. He knew what Terry Labonte was doing. He knew what Junior Johnson was doing. He knew when a ride was going to come open, who was mad at a driver, which driver was thinking about leaving a team. And and Barney was a dealmaker, man. He could slide around and make some things happen for a driver. And I, I remember when... When I, even when I left and started with the Wood Brothers, Barney was, was one of the guys I talked to. Um, to kind of put a bug in the Wood Brothers' ear to say, hey, Kyle might be interested. Would you you guys be interested in him? And um, Barney didn't pull punches. If, if they weren't interested, he'd say, hey, they don't want you, man. Barney was always willing to help, guide,
0: mentor, and promote.
2: Rusty Wallace trying to pull off a victory, his second of the season and his second of his Winston Cup career. Uh, Barney was one of the guys that uh, I remember when I was young in the NASCAR sport, he was throwing my name up around a lot of different drivers saying, hey, you need to look at Rusty Wallace to drive that car need to put him in the car he did a lot of that with raymond beetle when i was getting out of the cliff stewart car way back in our day driving a number 88 gatorade car there was no secret i was having a tough go at it but barney saw enough in me that he, he thought i could do it he got a hold of raymond beetle and barry dots and those guys back then and said hey man you need to get a hold of wallace and talk to him i really think he can get it done i, I said i'm up in the booth every day watching him uh, and i see his techniques and I know what he's done on the short tracks. That, that In a good car, that guy can get it done. And Barney was one of the guys that helped me get that ride in that number 27 car that
0: launched my career. Former MRN anchor and Fox Sports commentator, Mike Joy.
4: Barney brokered a lot of driver-owner deals in the garage because everybody trusted Barney. He was the Walter Cronkite of race broadcasting. Never broke a confidence ever did I hear of someone saying, that Barney told the tale out of school. Uh, and for that reason, people trusted him, and he was a very trusted go-between uh, for a lot of very, very top names in this sport. So I would say a uh, trusted friend and great broadcaster.
0: Trust was essential for Barney Hall. He knew where the lug nuts were buried in the garage area. But he shared only that which was necessary to tell the race story to the fans, and nothing more. A valuable lesson for youngsters hoping to maintain their relationships at the track, like MRN veteran Dave Moody.
4: It was probably five or six years after I really got involved full-time with the network. And he pulled me aside one day in the trailer, and in you know, in vintage Barney fashion, said, Boy, I, I see you out there in that garage. You talk to a lot of people. Uh, they seem to trust you. They tell you things. You know what's going on out there. He said, "My uh, uh, my strategy has always been: if you're trying to decide whether to talk publicly about something, to ask yourself two questions. The first question is, does this need to be said? And the second question is, does this need to be said by me? And he said, if the answer to either one of those questions is no, it's probably better to keep your mouth shut." Everybody
0: has a different style, and thank goodness. But there was something about Barney's manner on the air that really influenced my work as a young turn announcer. It was so listenable, smooth, yet exciting. He was always in control of his energy and pitch, and just knew what to say, and what not to say.
4: MRN anchor, Alex Hayden. He used to pull me off to the side many many times and my name's Alex but he called me Alec for some reason he always referred to me as Alec and it was just his little thing with me uh, other and unless we were on the air and then he called me Alex but when it's one-on-one he always called me Alec uh, so he would pull me aside say hey you know nice job on this do it a little bit different here's how I would do it or think about doing it this way get in their garage and and make sure you know these people make sure more importantly the people know you like everybody else uh, I looked up to Barney and I think uh, I think you can come up with a hundred different Adjectives to describe Barney Hall and what he meant to to me as a person, and what he meant to me as a, a mentor and a broadcast partner and colleague, and a and hundred adjectives simply wouldn't be enough.
0: Veteran pit reporter and NASCAR Hall of Fame executive director Winston Kelly knows well the talent and humility of his friend, the late Barney Hall.
4: Barney would help people so much. You know, I never forget a couple of times he gave me some good coaching at daytona and and he was up there in the pa booth and and we were all there and you know you're not talking all the time on pa and i don't even remember what we're talking about and i picked up the microphone like i'm going to say something and say something smart Alec and he said you know he's boy because everybody that came in was boy he said boy he said not going to ever tell you how to do something he said but when you put a microphone in your mouth assume it's always on and, and that was good advice. I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't off color, but it wouldn't have been appropriate, whatever it was we were joking about, to go out over the air. For longtime
0: MRN talent Dan Hubbard, Barney's humility stood tall. Well, Barney was a very humble guy.
3: And that's saying something because he was the voice of NASCAR. You know, that's our slogan. But Barney was really the guy who could say he he was the voice of NASCAR. He told me the story once, and everybody kind of knows this, that uh, Bruton Smith offered Barney a ton of money to come work for him over at PRN. And And he told Barney, Barney told me this, that he was offered three times what he was making at the Motor Racing Network. And Barney said no, respectfully, but no. He was loyal to the France family.
0: That just tells you a lot about Barney right there. Hall was always willing to help young talent,
4: like MRN pit reporter Jason Toy. You know, I was a kid that came in into this network when I did. And I was still in college and and uh, got a lot of great opportunities. But Barney told me to kind of check myself a little bit. And then I was hum- really humbled by that. And he didn't mean it in a main, in a mean way. It was the fact of, okay, here's a level you need to be at to be able to, to fit in what we do. And to be able to have longevity in what we do, and that was the kind of check and ego. And I never really had much of an ego, but I was always confident in my play-by-play. He sat me down, talked to me like like a granddad, honestly, and was honest with me, which was great. Barney had that impact on so many other people that have worked their way through the network.
0: According to MRN anchor Jeff Striegel, Barney always wanted the very best for his teammates. This man wanted you. To be the very best you could be. And he had a subtle way of going around and trying to coach you. And I, I will remember a day uh, at Pocono Raceway where he and I were in the broadcast booth covering qualifying. And when I first came into the network, if I, heaven forbid, if I made a mistake, I'd lose my mind. I'd throw my headset. I'd get mad. I wanted to be perfect, and I wasn't. We went to a commercial break, and he walked over, and he said, You know, son, if this is how you're going to be, then you might as well find another career. He said, You've got all the talent in the world to be able to do this job, but if you're going to be that hard on yourself every time you make a mistake, you should probably find another job to do because you're not going to make it in this industry. We make mistakes all the time, and you have to learn to roll with it and go. In times of need, Barney was there for guys like veteran broadcaster Mike Bagley.
1: I remember Barney pulling me to the back of the hauler after um, after my mother passed away. And Barney had gone through a similar situation losing his mother. And he took me in the back of the hauler and he put his arm around me. And he said, son, let me tell you something. He says, people come and people go. He says, but when you've lost your mother, you've lost... Your very best friend, and he was so right about that. And he he actually provided a source of comfort to me after I lost mom, and um, you know, and I, I, I lost dad, and I, I now lost my mother. And he just provided, you know, some of the some of the most, I guess, solace words that you could ever come up with. I mean, he knew he had he had, he had walked in those shoes, he had lived that reality, and he had lived that hell. That is losing parents. And that, to me, you know, we talk about race cars going fast and we talk about, you know, races and pit stops and drivers and owners and all this stuff. But it was more the personal conversations that was going on at home and, you know, him providing advice and, and mentorship that I think meant as much as. The professional mentorship that he offered.
0: As Hall's longtime co-anchor, Alan Bestwick saw firsthand how Barney presented the racing to the fans, straightforward and professionally. You know, you knew what you were getting with Barney. He cared about the racers and the racing and the responsibility that we all felt to do a good job for the sport. Be true to the sport. Be true to the sports audience. Do a good job and a respectful job in telling the stories. To be an asset to the sport, and he cared passionately about that. And if you did too, then you were great. Paul's professionalism was only matched by his wit, dry and oh so subtle.
2: Lost seven pounds. That's an old trick. You Lose your wallet. It's old. <laughs>
0: Barney just knew how to tell a good joke. For co-anchor Joe Moore, Hall was masterful with the art of the punchline.
3: His comedic timing was probably the best of anybody I've ever known. We used to tell jokes in between the commercial breaks on the broadcast, even way back then. And Barney would study during the week and write down jokes on a little piece of paper and stick them in his shirt pocket on race day. And it took a while before I actually realized what he was doing. But sometimes I'd glance over there and I'd see him like fishing around in his pocket and he'd pull something out and kind of look at it. Of course, I'm looking at the racetrack and trying to keep up with what's going on, but kind of with an eye on him. What's he doing? And then I noticed that a few minutes later, he'd pop off with a joke. Now, it might be 15 or 20 minutes later. Okay, because he was waiting for the perfect time to throw that thing in there, and he always nailed it. And everybody just died with laughter, and it could be something just very simple or stupid, but it was always funny
2: because Barney told it.
3: Our grand marshal for today's race is Ron White. You know him from the Blue Collar
2: Comedy Tour. Somebody told me you had a chance to be in another movie called The Naked and the Dead, and you were going to play both parts. Is that true?
3: I don't know why I would agree to come up here and take this kind of
0: abuse from you two guys.
2: There's pieces and. So that one bounced down the racetrack. Was he trying to moon you over there? Yeah. I've been impressed uh, with it because you have lost a lot of weight. I remember when you had more chin than a Chinese phone book but now you've only got gotten it down to one, so it's working pretty good. From the Daytona International Speedway, this is MRN Radio.
0: As the first recipient of the NASCAR Hall of Fame Squire Hall Award in 2013, Hall just couldn't resist the opportunity to inject a bit of humor on stage.
2: Well, in, a, in one sense, I felt like the Hall of Fame, the big Hall of Fame that NASCAR has, was for the movers and shakers. Uh, some of the drivers, like Pearson and Petty, obviously belong in there. But a lot of the other people, too, that put the team together, like the Wood brothers and whatever uh it's just just been amazing what they've done and to be a part of that uh sometimes i have to scratch my head and say did all this really happen Earnhardt is using every inch of racetrack and Elliott gets together with him. Earnhardt goes off in the grass, brings the car back onto the speedway and keeps it in a straight line and holds onto the lead. Unbelievable.
0: Barney's legacy will never be forgotten by anyone who holds a microphone for the Motor Racing Network.
3: Barney Hall is number one in my book, so anything he says is right. I'll tell you you that right now.
2: Here's Bill Elliott out of turn number four. Harold Kinder has the checkered flag in hand and Elliott takes it and wins the Winston Million and the Southern 500.
0: Barney Hall's impact on MRN is incalculable.
2: And for
3: the call, celebrating fifty years of broadcasting NASCAR racing, MRN Radio's Barney Hall.
2: And you know, there's just something that kind of reaches out and grabs you when you say the fiftieth running of the Daytona 500. It's about to get going.
0: He literally wrote the book on pit calls, play-by-play, and anchoring for a NASCAR race broadcast.
2: Pace car about to ease off on the pit road right now. Forty-three of the best stock car drivers in the world, about a thousand feet away from the start-finish line. And to call the start of the Daytona 500, the President of the United States, George Bush. Here they come to the grain. On behalf of the Motor Racing Network
0: and NASCAR fans around the world, all we can ever say to the late Barney Hall is thank you. Next time on MRN Presents, 50 Years, the Voice of NASCAR. We'll get to know some of the dynamic characters behind the microphones and relive some wild moments, both on and off the air. Until then, I'm Fred Armstrong. Have a great week.
3: Richard Petty goes back in front. They both spin. They're in the wall.
2: Petty is sliding, slamming into the wall. He's coming down toward the finish line. Will he make it? He's still... Moving the car stops 300, 400
3: feet shy of the finish line.
0: This program was a presentation of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida.
4: And now it appears we may have a fistfight. We see drivers and helmets, safety officials, trying to jump in there and separate them as tempers have really flared after this amazing incident on the final lap coming into turn number three.
0: MRN presents 50 Years, the Voice of NASCAR was written and produced by Tyler Burnett.
3: Dale Earnhardt comes to the white flag and the caution flag and Dale Earnhardt is going to win the Daytona 500 in his 20th try.
0: Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR
4: and the Motor Racing Network. This NASCAR season, Toyota Racing isn't looking for just anyone to join the team. No, we're looking for bankers. The ones who are open on Sundays.
1: So if you live for the gravity to find three degree banks like this one on turn four at daytona
4: then we want you be part of the action at toyota.com racing toyota let's go places nascar is a registered trademark of national association for
0: stock car auto racing inc